Hello, and welcome to here's Johnny's Reviews and Adult Animation April, which is my look at Beavis and Butthead to America, South Park, A Bigger, Longer and Cut, and Team America. Kicking off it will be today's movie, the little known Australian claymation movie, Mary and Max. Unfortunately, this movie wasn't giving a wide release and hardly anyone ever saw this thing in the cinema. In fact, the reason why I saw this charming little claymation was it was on film 4 one night very late and I fell in love with this thing so I had to watch it on a plus one channel to watch the other half of it. Little is known of this movie as even the DVD doesn't have much information on it as the director is a bit of a prankster and special features are all but useless. I mean there are special features but there's little information on these things and it's such a waste of about 45 minutes, so don't watch the special features on, a, on the out-of-print DVD. Still, never mind that. The thought I can find on this is that it's supposed to be based on a true story of the writer-director Adam Elliott, who won an Oscar for his short, little charming yet weird movie, Harvey Crumpet. He had a pen pal for over 20 years in America, and this is who he based Max off, with a budget of 8 0.2 million Australian dollars and pulling in a sadly low 1.6 million American dollars. Here it is, Mary and Max, starring Tony Claret, Thorpe Seymour Hoffman, Eric Bana, and Barry Humphreys. Directed by Adam Elliott, the plot, the tale of pen pals spanned over 20 years. One, a shy, friendless Australian girl living in the suburbs of Melbourne, Australia and the other an obese New Yorker with Asperger's and some really weird luck. The two swap advice and become lifelong friends. Will the two unlikely friends ever meet in real life? Let's find out. So, the movie opens up on a quaint little Australian suburb of Mount Waverley to onto a Leamington Drive as the camera shows us around the claymation town. Finally, because this thing goes on for a good two bloody minutes, it drags. We're introduced to Mary Dinkle, voiced by Tony Claret of Miro's Wedding, The Sixth Sense, About a Boy, Frightening Remake, and many other movies. This is set in 1976 Australia. As our narrator, a voice by Buddy Humphreys of Last Man's Movie, Shocktement, check my archives, and of course Dame Edna Everidge, well, narrates the story. As he tells us, Mary is a lonely eight-year-old with, quote, eyes the colour of puddles and a birthmark on her forehead the colour of poo, wishing she had a friend, not just the Noblet's toys which she had to make herself, which are models of her favourite TV show. Unfortunately, her mother couldn't afford the real toys, so these are made out of shells, rocks and, weirdly, chicken bones. Turns out, Mary's life is much like Charlie's from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Her father works in a low-paying, dead-end job. She has no friends, but has an overactive imagination, even. We find out her only friend was her grandfather, who sadly died of pneumonia the year before, due to being an ice diver. And that killed him, because this is darkly funny, this movie. We also find out her mother, Avira Lorraine Dinkle, voiced by Rene Greer, is a lush and a walking sherry bottle, looking very much like a rundown Dame Edna, who, by the way, is also a shoplifter, or she calls it a borrower. Mary sits down to watch her favourite show, with a can of condensed milk and her pet cock, Ethel. That's cockerel, you dirty-minded so-and-sos. By the way, the Noblets are basically the Smurfs, only brown and not blue, 
and this was her idea of heaven and sheer bliss. But introduced to Max, a voice by Philip Seymour Hoffman of Twister at the Big Lebowski, Red Dragon, which I'd done several months ago, check my archives, and Capote in his New York apartment. He is a 44, obese Jewish loner with Asperger's, and he also loves the Noblets. Turns out his only friend was his pet fish, Henry VIII, which had died hours earlier, so he has to flush it, and this is a running joke throughout this movie. He has multiple fishes and they all die, in some frankly disturbing, bizarre ways, such as one being boiled alive on a cooker, and the other one being killed by a hand whisk. Okay And note, uh, the water in this little animation is actually lube. Back in Australia, at the post office, a bored Mary waits on her mother, quote, borrowing things. So she decides to write to a complete stranger she finds in a New York phone book to ask where babies come from. As her grandfather says, they came from the bottom of beard glasses in Australia. She wonders if it's different in America. Such as, do they come from cola cans? Hmm. Cue a voiceover from a younger Mary, voiced by Bethany Whitmore. As she writes to Max, telling him all about her and asking where babies come from in America. And note, the postage stamp she uses to send the letter is a picture of Dame Edna on it. Back in New York, weeks later, Mac, Max gets the letter and we find out it's a Thursday, the one day Max cannot stand as this is his overeating an ominous meeting and he hates going to these things. Going to said meeting, he has to eat two chocolate hot dogs, which are two full-sized chocolate bars and hot dog buns. God, no wonder he's fat. He reads the letter four times, and this gives him a panic attack. But 18 hours later, he reads her back. He tells her he's overweight and has a shrink named Dr. Bernard Hasselhoff, who tells him a healthy body leads to a healthy mind. Mind you, that could be the fact he's also a bloody aerobics instructor. Mm. And this was the late 70s, so this was just starting to boom. Also, because Max has Asperger's, his mind isn't healthy. And I gotta love the 70s. If God won't help you, exercise will. He also tells her he has no real friends, only pets, including a parrot and a one-eyed ginger cat called Hal, short for halitosis, because the thing has atrocious breath. Also, that his mother told him babies come from rabbis laying eggs, or if you're Catholic, nuns, or if you're a non-believer, dirty, rotten skanks. He goes on to tell her his mother killed herself when he was six after his father ran off. He tells her he spends his days trying to clean the streets of New York. Good luck with that, mate. This being the late 70s, they were disgusting. And Nick's playing the lotto, which he's played for nine years with the same numbers. Also, he was once Jewish, but is now an atheist as he has read all the whole books and found God to be pretty much the same in all books and unrealistic. He's on to tell her all about the many jobs he's had and how and why he was locked up in a mental institute uh, due to acting like a robot while cleaning the streets. And some of these jobs are ridiculous, such as he was a juror. Okay, that's not a job, that's just a thing. And a pain in arse thing at that. I mean, dear God, moving on. Back in Australia. Nine days later, Mary's mother blows a gasket after she reads the letter and Max writes and she just bins it. The next day, however, while taking out the trash, Ma Mary finds the letter in the bin, reads it, and so a friendship is born that night. 
She writes back on a pork chop paper she found in a fridge, telling Max her parents don't like him, so to send the letters to her neighbour across the street instead. She writes in her letter, she has no real friends either and is bullied heavily in school by a boy in school, due to her mother being a complete lush. That's alcoholic for my American friends. Also, her teachers hate her for some bizarre reason. She writes, can he help her? Also, has he ever been bullied in real life also? Weeks later, her letter sends Max into another panic attack after he reads she's being teased and bullied mercilessly. Cue a flashback of him being cornered and beaten by the other boys of the orphanage for being a quote Jew boy. Days later, after his meltdown subsides, he writes her back. He tells her to tell the bully that her birthmark means when she dies, she'll be in control of all the chocolate and heaven. He goes on to tell her that his diet is absolutely awful and asks if she has weight loss tips. Yeah, because an eight-year-old in Australia in the 70s had diet and or weight loss tips. You in. He goes on to tell her about his blind neighbour, Ivy, who cooks some soup once a week, so he puts up with her ridiculous things, such as boiling one of his pet goldfish. Spots Barry Humphreys' character from shock treatment in a flashback as a blind man cleaning up the streets of New York. He sends her a frisbee and a chocolate pop rocks, which he says to eat with cola. She writes back to tell him she sorted out the bully by placing dog shit in the sand pit he plays in, also, she has a job delivering flyers, so she can save up money to go and see him in, her, in America. Also, gives him diet tips, or totally things starting with the letter of the first day, i.e. Monday would be milkshakes. What was it? Milkshakes, marshmallows, and mustard, I believe. I mean, ridiculous stuff. She tells him that for her ninth birthday, her dad gave her a camera, so she sends him photographs of herself and the cast of characters in her neighbourhood including her new boyfriend, Damien, a voice by Eric Banner of Chopper, Finding Nemo, Hulk, Troy, and a Star Trek reboot. Anyway, yes, you have guessed it, Mary's letter sends Max into a meltdown after she asks him about love and sex. After his attack is over, he wanders around New York pondering about love. See, he's never actually had love or indeed a girlfriend as he's too weird and puts off potential suitors, such as giving a cat lover a cat thermometer for anal probing. <laughs> for God's sake. <laughs> anyway, all this pondering and walking around the place caused him to have a heart attack and he's lifted out of his home on a crane because he's so obese and so fat. He's stuck in a nut house for eight months and he as he is obese and indeed heavily depressed. Meanwhile, back in Australia, not hearing back from Max for months, Mary decides to burn all the letters and moves on with her life, struggling to go on her on herself. Another eight months later, after shock treatment, Max is let out, however he doesn't want to write back in case her next letter sends him back to the nut house. As one day, while cutting his toenails, at which he keeps the clippings in jars and his bathroom because they're in like labelled jars like 78, 79 etc etc and that's just fucking disgusting. Max's air conditioning unit falls off the wall and kills a mime. He's charged with murder but is let go due to being quote retarded. On Max's 48th birthday his lotto numbers come up and he wins big so he buys a lifetime supply of chocolate and a complete Noblet's collection but he felt empty, so he gives his neighbour a huge chunk of money. She blows and then dies in a jetpack incident. 
So two years later, he writes back to Mary, telling her everything that's happened to him. In the letter, he writes, he was diagnosed with Asperger's, or he calls it, Aspies, and goes on to tell her the symptoms of it, such as him taking things too literally, such as a sign saying take a seat and he will take the chair. See the director's Oscar-winning short, Harvey Crumpet, which is an extra on out-of-print DVD, as Max is pretty much him right down to the book of faces he wore around his neck as he was a child to tell her what people were thinking. Also, in a letter, he tells her his favourite words, including a bumblebee, banana and testicle. He also has invented words such as confuzzled, which is confused and puzzled, and snurt, which is snowy dirt. Okay then. And if you think these are weird, he also invented things to eat, such as chicken with life's Life savers and cola and tin spaghetti burgers. Okay then. In Australia, a now 11 year old Mary uh, was thrilled at the letter and gets the idea to send Max tears after he wrote to tell her he cannot cry. So she empties her mother's hemorrhoid cream and cries, collecting the tears and sends it back to Max. Their friendship is renewed and the letters continue with her asking. Do sheep shrink in the rain? Why is Billy Button Flint always blue? And if a taxi driver drives backwards, does he use your money? Hmm. He writes to tell her he agrees with Einstein that only two things are endless universe and man's stupidity. It was kind of shady, that, is it not? I mean, she's only 11 year old for crying out loud. So years go by, and Mary is now a teenager in the 80s and is in love with Damien. Also, on the 8th of August 1988, her dad retired and then dies in a tsunami the next day. This is the dark humour I grow to love in this movie. Her dad left her money in his will, so Mary goes to university to learn about mental illness, during which she gets her poo-stained birthmark removed and now has a confidence to ask out Damien. But he points out she has dog shit on her shoes, so runs off to cry all night. This gives her a chance to write to Max, and she tells him she wasted her money getting the buff rack removed and wishes she'd saved it to visit him. In her husband's shed, Vera accidentally drinks embalming fluid, thinking it was sherry in a drunken haze, now all alone, and with the candy love heart Max sent her, saying, love yourself first. Because if you can't love yourself, how in the hell can you love anyone else? Just don't love yourself too much, you'll end up going blind. Mary marries Damien and writes to Max about her perfect wedding and honeymoon. Red flag, however. Damien loves boy George and made Mary's wedding dress from scratch. Also, he has a secret pen pal in the form of a sheep farmer. Still not to worry, she jumps his bones and passes university with flying colours and even writes a book about Max, which she sends him a copy of with a letter telling him she'll come to see him in exactly two weeks. After reading... Both the letter and the book, a pissed off Max writes an angry letter to Mary about how he feels betrayed and confuzzled. But he doesn't send it, he just balls up and destroys his faithful old typewriter. However, he did send her the M letter from the typewriter and a pom-pom, which she made him years earlier, which he stuck on his religious hat. Forgive me, I forget the name of the bloody thing that I think's called, a Jewish wear. Terrible John. <clears throat> she sent him years earlier, as I said. She gets this just as she was about to leave to go to New York. This sends her into a deep, dark depression as dark storm 
clouds even, surrounds her and she starts to think of killing herself in the local paper mills mulcher. But last minute she doesn't as she watches her novel being turned to pulp. In a local supermarket she picks up a, the same brand of sherry her mother drunk and hits the bottle hard, sinking deeper into depression. And not even the one bright colour in her dark, gloomy life, i.e. Damien can cheer her up. She sinks more and more down, even having visions of her becoming her mother. One drunken afternoon, Mary sends Max a can of spaghetti with I'm sorry written on it. As back in America, a now morbidly obese Max gets the note. For days later, a schnozzled Mary would stagger to the mailbox and hope Max would write her back, but nothing until one day he wrote her back. But no, it's not from Max, however, it's from Damien, writing from New Zealand, that he's left her for his pen pal Desmond and are now happily in love. Back in New York, a now bug nuts Max writes an angry letter to the mayor about drag queens dropping cigarette butts and demands something to be done about this also for the minimum fine being raised to one million dollars. Suddenly, Max looks at his missing M and gets more pissed off. However, his typewriter ribbon runs out of ink, so he must go and get some more from the store. Oh, by the way, a typewriter is kind of like a laptop, but it was manual and had a ribbon which had ink on it, so it was kind of... Oh, God, oh, I was moving on. Coming back from the store, he all but chokes the life out of a bag lady who drops her cigarette butt but stops last minute after she says she's sorry. After two days of thought, Max writes to Mary and gives her his entire noblet collection, then puts on his creepiest forced smile and posts them, freaking out the bag lady he choked two days earlier. Weeks later, his parcel reaches Australia, but Mary is in a drunken stupor and doesn't hear the mailman, who just leaves on his on the doorstep, as they do, the bloody lazy bastards. Next day, a drunken Mary finds a bottle of Valium belonging to her late mother, takes a handful and places a noose made out of wool around her neck, as she unknowingly is carrying Damien's kid. How and when? They only had sex once on their honeymoon years earlier, and that was only after she jumped his bones. As K. Sarah plays, Mary's world turns to black as the photo photographs of her loved ones attack her last minute before she jumps. Her old neighbour across the road comes to her house and gives her the parcel from Max. This is a huge thing as he's agoraphobic and feels more free than ever after 45 years of being indoors. Mary now has all the noblets and a new lease on life. However, she still has a full bottle of volume in her stomach and a shit ton of booze, but moving on, as this is revving up to be the happy ending. As she reads Max's letter of how he forgives her because she's imperfect and so is he. In fact, the world is imperfect. Also, how he now fully accepts himself, worse and all, and he's thankful that she was his friend. That hopefully one day they'll finally meet so they can share a can of condensed milk. One year later, Mary has her life together, so with baby in tow, she went to New York to see Max. As a cab pulls outside his apartment, the old bag lady has a sign now saying, Keep your money, I just need change. Same, love, same. Mary takes the elevator to Max's home, finding him dead in his favourite armchair, staring up at a 
picture of Mary after finishing a can of condensed milk. Mary places the M back on a typewriter tours the apartment, finding all the stuff she sent him over the years and all the litter stapled to the ceiling. As tears roll down her face, the camera pulls out to New York skyline and credits roll. So that was Max and Mary, a bittersweet comedy tale about how you have to be yourself, warts and all, how you can pick your friends but not your family, and how no matter how shit you think your life is, someone is even worse off. This won't be for everyone as its brown world and darkly comedic twist will put some off, but give it a chance and look deeper. This is a charming bug nuts little movie that sadly went under radar, and if it can warm my chilly heart, what can it do for you? I'm going to give this thing a 9 out of 10. So come back next week for my look at 1996's Beavis and Butthead Do America, then the rest of the month as I look at South Park and Team America. May is the start of the Summer of Super, which is May superhero movies such as Catwoman and Supergirl. June is Iron Man, July is Captain America, August and September is Superman. And don't forget to leave a like, comment and subscribe. Also check out my brand new Patreon, which for just a buck, you can help me out and get access to an exclusive podcast once a month which will be unscripted, uncut, and unedited. If you can't do that, then check out my other podcasts of Mad Max, Lost Boys, Ghoulies, and more. Also, my solo podcast of Die Hard, Donnie Darko, Aliens, and many more. Also, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pond, and email me with suggestions to Here's Johnny's Reviews at gmail.com. A bye, and I'm not crying, you are. Oh, my God.